If the ideal God design of a woman is that she would feel safe enough that she could open to fully receive and therefore create life, what would be the opposite? That she would feel unsafe, unsecure, ungrounded, so that she would refuse to open, feel closed off, or throw herself open in a scattered, unsavvy way. Refusing life, rejecting life, shutting down from life, not being able to open to and allow everything that is around her. That is the trick of what I call the provision wound. Because in our efforts to find and feel what we most desperately crave, or in our rejection of it because it makes us feel weak and we haven't recognized that living in alignment with that design is actually where our power resides, triggers a cycle of actually shutting out more life, of looking for the scarcity, for the danger, for the lack, for the fear, instead of looking for the love, for the support, for the safety, so that we can let down our guards with wisdom still in power and allow and create life. But too many women find themselves consistently, even for a lifetime, pursued and taken down by the provision wound because the world does not work as it should. And often when we aren't aware of why and how we're being so deeply, inherently affected by it as a female, we fight against it and we perpetuate the problem when the power has been in our hands the whole time. Well, hello, gorgeous one. Welcome to Bombshell Radio. Here, we combine pleasure and purpose to liberate women into their divine assignment of being the fullest expression of fierce femininity. My name is Jackie LaCroix. I believe that pleasure is a life force. Beauty is for you. And your sexual design is the key to your greatest fulfillment and calling. I'm the author of the best-selling book, The Bombshell Manifesto, and I've mentored women in body, beauty, business, and intimacy with God, themselves, and men for over 10 years. Each week, you'll receive a different edition of Bombshell Radio, focusing on one of these areas, all designed to inspire you and help you optimize every area of your feminine design so that you can live your biggest, most beautiful life. If you've been longing for a place where you can merge your spirituality and your sexuality and enter a conversation that honors your body, your beauty, your business savvy, and your faith, welcome home. Let's get started. How many of you have ever heard a woman say, this is so hard? Why is life so hard? Why is everything so hard? Maybe you've even heard yourself say those words. Why is it that so many women seem to struggle with this belief, this conviction even, that life is so difficult? Now, we can go back to Genesis 3, which I was just reading and various articles on it, which were fascinating, various different views about its meaning, which is, for those who aren't familiar with it, the verse, the passage in the Bible about the fall of mankind, the exile from the Garden of Eden, when both man and woman were cursed, right? And I'm not going to get too much more into detail on that. You're welcome to go read it yourself. But the reality is that there are a very large number of women. It is very easy to find women who are extremely dedicated to the idea that life is difficult for them and that is unfair. And the next thing they generally tend to do is look around for someone to blame. Maybe it's the system. 
Maybe it's the government. Maybe it's men. Maybe it's a certain type of men. Maybe it's most men. <laughs> Maybe it's the patriarchy. Maybe it's politicians. Maybe it's the education system. Maybe it's taxes. Maybe it's work hours. Maybe it's laws. Maybe it's whatever, right? It's something. But what I want to tell you today is that what's really at the heart of this belief and we'll look in just a moment at all the various symptoms and manifestations of it so that you can learn to identify it in yourself for course correction and realignment and so that you can identify it in others for compassion and encouragement of them that's helpful and truly accurate. But the root of this wound is not the war between men and women or who has authority and who should be providing and who should submit and who should not and all of these different various debates that waste a lot of time, in my opinion. The core, the root of this is, of course, about our beliefs about God. Because let's pretend and I'm not saying that I agree with this, I actually don't, but let's just hypothesize and come up with a theory for the sake of argument that it was supposed to be that men were providers and women were be provided for, right? That that was the design. Again, I don't actually think this is the case <laughs> for the record, but for the sake of our argument, Let's pretend that's the case, right? So when a woman finds herself, let's say, not feeling sufficiently provided for, maybe she's single and she wants to be married and taken care of. Maybe she's in a marriage and she doesn't feel sufficiently taken care of. Maybe she's dating and she can't seem to find what she's looking for, whatever the case may be. If she decides to blame men for her plight, She's missing the entire point, but she's also missing the solution, okay? Because let's just, again, imagine made-up story, made-up world, that that is the way it's supposed to be, that men are the only and sole providers on the earth, and her job is to sit on a chair and wait to be served, <laughs> okay? We happen to live in a very broken world. Now, I know that many people are not comfortable with the idea that it's a broken world or people are broken. They like to think that we're all perfect and we're just remembering our perfection and you can phrase it however you like. The bottom line is we live in a world where there are wars, where there are rapes, where there is child abuse, where there is intentional perpetuated poverty. There's all kinds of injustices that are literally unspeakable. We live in a world where things are not working the way they should work, right? So if she is blaming men for her predicament, perhaps she could find examples and, you know, incidents to point to that would make her feel that she's correct and maybe even make people around her think, you know, you've got a point there. But if we're in a world that isn't working as it should, there is absolutely no point or purpose in pointing to another human being and saying, look, you are the problem. Fix my problem. Right? Because even if they are doing something that's quote unquote wrong, or even if they are out of alignment with some version of ideal design, whatever that may be in your opinion, there's a very good chance that they just can't do any better. Right? Let's pretend that this woman is a widow in a war-torn country. And for whatever reason, again, I'm making up all kinds of scenarios here so you can understand the concepts. There is literally no one who is currently able to come to her aid. Okay? What then would be the point of blaming another human being or another group of human beings for a situation? I'll tell you what the point is. It reduces and removes the deep pain of the actual root cause, which is, believe it or not, some version of anger at God or lack of trust in God or a sense of disillusionment that God has not provided, will not provide. Generally, when I'm talking in person with women about this, this is when the tears start to fall because this is the belief behind the blame. 
the belief behind the blame. So when a single woman is talking to me or a dating woman and she's giving me these phrases, these beliefs of there just aren't any more good men out there or men don't know how to initiate anymore or guys aren't taking the lead or why don't men rise into leadership and why blah, 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 right? All of the things. I can let her go on and on and on and on with the blame and the beliefs if she wants. But at the end of the day, before we can actually make any helpful changes to the situation that she's currently unsatisfied with, I have to beg her the question, why do you think God is allowing that to happen? Do you think that God doesn't care? Do you think that God doesn't have the power to control human beings? Do you think, again, going on here with our made-up scenarios, that literally all men have mutinied and therefore God has no more authority over an entire gender of his own creation? That they're just running amok, <laughs> completely, you know, not subservient to divine providence and total authoritative God power. Now, I know that sounds kind of silly and I'm playing with you a little bit, but at the heart of it, what I'm asking such a woman is, do you believe that you can trust God and that he really cares about you and your needs and your desires and your longings and your wants? Do you believe that you can trust your father? Do you believe that God is good, that God is kind, that God is all-knowing, that he's aware of what you need, of what you most desperately desire? Do you believe that he's there for you, that he's dependable? And when she starts to ask herself those questions, that's generally when the sobbing ensues, but it's also when the breakthrough occurs because the blaming of whatever's going on in the world that she wants to point fingers at as to why things aren't going in the way she wants them to, why things are so hard, why she's not being quote-unquote provided for, or whatever her variation of that would be, whether it's a spouse or a job or money or whatever, right? Feeling included or being happy and satisfied in her life. The blame is just a Band-Aid. The God belief is the gaping wound behind it. Now, you may be thinking, one, Jackie, you always say this. <laughs> and that's true, but it's because it's true, okay? Truly, behind all of our life experiences, whether we're talking about your appearance or your body or your sex life or your relationship with men, your relationship with money, all of it's going to come down to your beliefs about God. Because he's the creator, he is the provider, and everything you want is basically a version of a provision, right? It's what you want to have provided to you, whether it's looking a certain way or having a man or having a differently behaving man or whatever it is. It's provision. So if it's not happening, it's very easy to say, I blame the man. I blame other women who look a certain way. I blame people who make so much more money and don't seem to want to share it. I blame, you know, the education system that tricked me into spending so much money on my education and now I don't make it. Whatever it is, blaming is easy because the core belief is so much deeper, so much more painful. And it's, is God trustworthy to provide what you truly need and deeply desire? That's the provision wound. Now, like I was saying, you might say first, you always say this. This is true because it is always true. And second, you might say, you know, why should I, why should I bother to investigate that, right? I still, I would prefer to blame people, Jackie. It's much easier, you know, and I do believe God is good and I do believe he wants to provide, but it's these people who keep messing everything up. And I hear you. But again, we're going to return to the subconscious theology of do you think that in spite of these people who are, we can probably agree, <laughs> irritating and out of line, can God still provide? 
essentially, is God bigger than those people? Or is God either non-existent and not caring, punitive and somehow mad at you and punishing you, or helpless, just like you may be feeling, and these other humans suddenly have all of the power and control and God has been relegated to co-pilot or second chair. So, even when you think that you're good with God and you trust him and you believe he's good and he's going to take care of you, I would argue that if there are still beliefs coming up, if there are still words coming out of our mouths that this is so hard, this is so unfair, I don't understand why things don't work out the way I want them to, we're not yet done investigating our subconscious theology around can we trust God to provide? And that is the core of the provision wound. Now, why is the provision wound so deeply rooted in us? I would first argue that it's because we are creations of a God. That's my personal belief. We are designed as dependents on a deity, and therefore we have this longing and craving to be cared for by one. And because there is awful evil in the world and attempts to make us not believe the truth, we also live in battle with this persistent fear that while we deeply long to be cared for by this being that we can completely trust and be loved by, we might not be. Now, when we are little, before we have a conscious concept that there is a creator or a God that we are ultimately, truly, and actually dependent on, the God-like position in our lives is filled by our parents and our caretakers. And so many of the deep-rooted issues we have in the provision wound come from simply being raised by imperfect parents or possibly and hopefully not rather awful parents who lead us to believe that in order to be cared for, in order to be safe, in order to be loved, in order to be provided for, we must be perfect. We must be persistently, consistently well-behaved. We must be beautiful enough. We must be smart enough. We must get the grades. We must be quiet and not speak up when we have something that we disagree with. All of the things that we might learn as children about the conditional requirements for provision, which then plague us in adult life and create beliefs that if it's not working out, I must somehow not be good enough for it to work out for me. And if we have any spirit or fight in us, that often can lead to some anger, some anger toward, again, whatever we're blaming, whether it's the system, whether it's the other gender, whether it's society or education or, you know, cultural standards of beauty. But what we're really often blaming at a deep subconscious level is God. Why did you not give me the thing that I wanted, God? Why did they not come? Why did they not stay? Why did I not win? Why did I not get the promotion, the job, the person, the education, the money, the status, the whatever? And while some people may be conscious, they may have done enough work on themselves or just it occurs to them that their actual anger, their actual blame, their actual sense of injustice is toward God, for many people this is fully unconscious. And whether they're still blaming their parents or their spouse or their lack of a spouse or their kids or their lack of kids or their appearance or society or whatever, they're not only unconsciously angry at God, but then they decide to take matters into their own hands. And this is where I see so many women struggling with the provision wound. Because essentially the core belief that they come down to, whether they're consciously aware of it or not, is God cannot be trusted to provide for me. So I'm just going to have to put on my big girl panties and do it myself. And this is where beliefs, woundedness, and if you don't think they're there, <laughs> just wait until a woman is sufficiently pissed off and you will hear her beliefs come out right? She may be calm and kind and collected 
all of the things in whatever social situation. But if you mention some injustice, something that triggers her personally, something that's a personal vendetta for her, something that's oof, that really gets her going, you will see her beliefs about God, about life, about men, about women, about media, about culture burst forth and you'll be able to see where she stands in the provision wound. Now, the catch-22 is that while women often, and I'm speaking specifically to women because there's a, a feminine component to this, which I'll get to in a second, while women who consciously or unconsciously feel this longing to be cared for, protected, provided, feel and sense that they are not, therefore blame, you know, maybe consciously men or society or whatever, unconsciously God himself, they therefore decide that I obviously can't depend on anyone else to take care of me, so I'm going to have to do it myself. They get into a hard fighting life energy that is encapsulated in that saying that I began this with of why is everything so hard? Why do I have to be the one to do everything? Why am I always doing all the work, right? And whether or not that's verbally coming out of her mouth, and for many women it is, or it's simply something simmering under the surface while she keeps her nice girl persona on outside because that's part of how she perceives that she needs to behave in order to be at least partially provided for, partially cared for, partially socially accepted and conditionally loved. This is the underlying belief system that's creating a lot of her behaviors, okay, and leading to a lot of broken actions that are getting her exactly the opposite of the results that she wants. Because you can imagine if you have a core belief that no one's going to be here for me, I can't trust people, I can't trust God, I've got to do it myself. If that's your core belief and then you go out taking action in total lack of spiritual alignment due to lack of fundamental trust in God, you're going to be shooting scattershot at things that probably aren't actually going to get you the results that you want. And you're going to be doing it from a state of being and an energy of misery and attempting to provide and protect for yourself and prove yourself to other people. A unconscious isolation while simultaneously blaming people, God, whatever, for feeling so isolated in the world. Can you guys see that? That kind of behavior is literally creating the isolation that she desperately wants to not feel. She's perpetuating feeling not provided for by insisting that she must provide for herself because she doesn't trust others, i.e. God, to be the true and dependable source of provision. Now, are there situations and seasons and periods in life where a woman's got to pick herself up by her bootstraps and get it done herself? Absolutely. There are millions of women, billions probably, all over the world who can testify to that. And I don't even think it's wrong for a woman to do that or even to have to do that. I think it can allow her to activate a stunning side of her strength that builds her into this warrior queen who can make incredible massive differences in the world. But I would argue that you can be in that state, one, not hopefully for a lifetime, but two, not in an energy of anger at the world and at God for having not provided, for being the so-called reason why she has to do it all herself why it's so hard. I argue that you can be in the actions of making things happen while being in the energy of trusting God to provide. And that is where magic happens. Now, there's also another side to this, which is absolutely stunning, in which you trust God, okay, <laughs> possibly through a man, or men or family members or church or whatever to step in and provide without you needing to take massive, ferocious, independent boss babe action, okay? And what is often an area and edge of growth for many women is to learn to truly trust God in that particular way, in that manifestation, right? So they may be taking all of this action, 
but saying, but I believe God, I am doing this in faith. I know he's going to show up and provide for me. And therefore, Jackie, I don't have the provision wound because even though I'm doing this on my own, I know God's got my back. And I love that. Go girl, get ahead. However, what about when she gets tired (laughs) or life actually legitimately grinds to a screeching halt because of some health issue or some job loss or some, you know, child issue where she suddenly has to stop operating in, I love God, I trust God, but I am doing it myself and step over into actually trusting God to have her be provided for via another human being's effort. In other words, (laughs) can she let a man into her life to take care of her, to protect her, to provide for her? Can she trust God in that scenario? Because the difficulty is when we're so used to blaming, right, the world or other people or men for the lack of or the failures in or the faulty versions of provision, and we decide we're going to do it ourselves and we say, I I promise my energy is good. I promise that I'm trusting God and I'm not mad at him. Okay. (laughs) But then When it comes time for that season to shift and to truly actually be cared for by a fallible human being, do we trust God's provision in that context? And a lot of women think they do until they try to relax into being taken care of and they can't because somewhere deep down, they've actually been relying on themselves for provision, calling it trusting God. And now that, for whatever reason, they are not the one taking the majority of action or even any action, perhaps, is God actually, was he the one who was helping all along or was it really them with, you know, the Jesus music on in the background? But now if it's not them, wow, like, oh my gosh, is God going to come through through this this dude (laughs) or through, you know, this community that's rallying around me when I need support? Do I trust God truly to provide for me when I'm not doing it for myself? You'll find out in those moments. And a lot of women are shocked to realize that they were leaning pretty heavily on their own actions and that subconsciously there was a provision wound of not trusting God to truly take care of them when things were beyond their control. Now, for some women, unfortunately, and this is one of the symptoms of a provision wound, they actually don't allow themselves to make that leap. And out of a fear that God will not provide through a man being in the picture, you know, doesn't have to mean he's the only provider, maybe it's partial provision, but there's some transfer of trust out of being the only one who's taking care of herself and into allowing another human being into the space of decision-making and action-taking and provision. And a lot of women are so anchored in having decided to depend on themselves rather than having anchored and depending on God and simply having been the action-taker for a season that when the action-taker becomes a man entering the picture, they, they can't let him in because they weren't actually dependent on God the whole time. They were dependent on themselves. And so it's difficult to turn it over to a man because the power, they had not given it into God's hands. They had been holding onto it firmly in their own hands the whole time. And it's a very scary moment to transfer over being provided for. The idea that someone is going to come through and be there for you other than yourself. And that's often when many women learn that, oh, I actually wasn't trusting God this whole time. I was telling myself I was trusting God, but I was basically trusting myself and learning or or telling myself that I'm going to do this by myself. I have to do this by myself. Maybe their attitude was, this is so hard, or maybe their attitude is, I believe God's going to come through, but the action was theirs. And therefore the trust was actually in them. And so when a lot of women have the opportunity to have what they may have been asking for the entire time, which is a man to come in and at least help co-provide or be one of the action takers who's making everything happen in the, the family unit or whatever it might look like, they can't turn over control because they fear that he can't be trusted. 
But what I'm telling you is that it's not him that you actually have to trust, right? It's the same argument as any commitment, but this is more about provision and being cared for and being safe, right? You're not trusting him. You're trusting God's provision, which can look many, many, many different ways throughout many different seasons of life. So a lot of women can't make that jump. And that's one of the biggest symptoms of the provision wound, because if you truly trust God to provide, why do you think he would not be capable of providing through a man? If he's God, if you're telling me that your theology is rock solid and you are just singing worship songs in your car and you believe that he is the creator of all things, all knowing, all seeing, all loving, all powerful, is there some kind of, you know, block, some, you know, radioactive field around the man where God cannot permeate and use him as an instrument to care for you as well? How big is your God? And this is where subconscious theology comes up and shows us what we're really believing underneath the surface. Now, on the flip side of this, another symptom of the provision wound is women who perceive that God can only provide for them through a man. And so they do all kinds of contortions and manipulations to ensure that they are in and remain in a relationship because they're subconscious theology gap, if you will, is that God can't be trusted. I've got to have a guy. I've got to be girlfriend. I've got to be wifey. I've got to be somebody's chick because somebody's got to take care of me. Somebody's got to provide for me. Somebody's got to protect me. Somebody's got to fund me, whatever. And I, I don't know what, what, what it's going to be like in the world if I don't have a man to do that for me. So they make terrible relationship decisions or they compete with other women to get a guy as if there's only a few left on earth, <laughs> right? All of those are symptoms of the provision wound as well. Because again, how big is your God? Is he capable of taking care of you if a man is in the picture or if a man is not in the picture? Is he capable of taking care of you if your body is functional and healthy and working the way that it ideally would? Or if it's not, and you're ill, and you're weak, and you're truly dependent, is he capable of taking care of you if the political climate is not to your particular liking? Is he capable of taking care of you if you lose the job that you had formed your identity in? How big is your God? That's the question that the provision wound lives or dies on. And if you have a God who's big enough to take care of you, no matter where you are, no matter who you're with or not with, no matter how well your job or career or profession or business is going or not, no matter whether your friends like you or don't like you, whether your body's healthy, whether it's considered attractive or slim enough, whether you feel beautiful or not, whether whatever, right? Insert thing we base our belief that we will be sufficiently provided for and cared for and protected and loved and accepted here. Those are the questions. Is God big enough to provide for you what he knows you need no matter what is going on in your world? Now, here's the cool thing. If you do the work and you wrestle with your demons and you uncover your subconscious theology and you trace it back to your parents or your brother or your mean childhood neighbor <laughs> and you recognize whatever work you need to do, whatever revelations you need to have, whatever beliefs you need to shift, that you can trust God to provide for you no matter what. Because as you're listening to this, you are alive, which means the basic necessities you required to continue existing have been provided all through your life, no matter what has happened to you up to this point. No matter who's turned on you, no matter who's turned their back on you, no matter who's stabbed you in the back, no matter who's abandoned you, you're here. You're listening to this. 
God has provided. God has been trustworthy. The path may not have been smooth or easy, but he got the job done. And odds are he'll continue to, possibly even better. Those are my beliefs. And when you come to that core conviction, then, my love, you get to dance through life no matter what it throws at you. If people you love and depended on and thought had your back suddenly stand you up, cut you off, turn you over, throw you to the wolves, won't even speak to you, God has your back. And you will rise like a phoenix that's going to make everyone wonder, how did she do it? And how did she do it with so much grace? How did she do it with such joy even? I'm not saying there won't be a miniature dark night of the soul where your identity is shifting and you feel betrayed and isolated and exiled and alone. But if your core belief is that your God is big enough to provide for you no matter who else is or isn't, girlfriend, you're going to be fine. You're going to be more than fine. You're going to flourish. It might take a second to find your footing and, and figure out exactly how God is going to provide in this new season and era. But believe me, he's going to. And when you get to stand with both feet on that firm, unshakable truth, you get to relax. That's the first thing that actually happens. You get to exhale. You get to say, oh my gosh, since my provision is guaranteed. Let me say that again. Since your provision is guaranteed, now what do you get to enjoy? Everything. (laughs) Now you get to sleep as much as you need to. I'm not saying don't respect people's times and commitments that you have, but you get to be at peace. You get to take walks outside and look at the sky and sit in the grass and listen to the birds and not be worried because God has got you. And if he needs you to take an action, if you're asking for any wisdom that he requires you to have, you will receive it. What you need to know will come to you. The ideas that he needs you to act on will come to you. The conviction to act on them will come to you. The funds to be able to act on them will come to you. What you need will be provided. And when a woman is in that energy, of that knowing, of that certainty, the peacefulness, the lack of blame because of the lack of fear and therefore the lack of anger creates in her such an attractive spirit of happy expectation, trust, openness, and certainty that everything is going to be all right. This is the woman who laughs without fear of the future. And here's the hilarious thing. When a woman is in that energy, when she is just so sure of her God that she gets to just skip through her life figuratively or literally, if you'd like, (laughs) with a playfulness, with a gratitude, with a joy to the spirit, to everything that God is doing all around her. She starts to see the provision everywhere. She sees the flowers. She sees the, the random gift that someone decided to give. She sees the service that was comped instead of charged. She sees all of the ways that God is not only coming through, but is showering her with provision. When her view her viewpoint of looking at life shifts like that she actually becomes more attractive to people wanting to step in and provide for her her viewpoint having changed from why is this so hard to wow this is so wonderful suddenly everyone wants to follow her around and give her exactly what she wants and needs I know that may sound like, uh, that's not how it works, Jackie. That is exactly how 
it works. I have walked through seasons when things that I thought I could count on have been cut out from underneath me without warning, with a callousness and a coldness and a cruelness that I didn't see coming. It just is even in the last few months. But my unshakable knowledge that God has got my back, this sense in my spirit immediately, I will take care of you and listen to me, particularly if there are any people who have ever wronged you, do not do any form of revenge because you don't need to, because the same God who provides and cares for you, I'm not saying he has a vindictive nature, but I'm just going to say he really digs justice. Okay. And so if he sees that someone whose heart has been pure, has been wronged, Oh, girlfriend, you're going to be provided for in ways that you can't even dream. You're going to feel like heaven's princess because God is going to ensure that things that you have no human control over are lined up in your favor at your footsteps wherever you walk. And you're just going to be looking around like, how is that even possible? Because no one is even here or no one even knew. I didn't say anything. I didn't ask. It's God. It's God providing for and caring for a woman who is open and receptive to believing that he will. When you make that shift, when you heal the provision wound and you tell the lies to go to hell, your life is going to start blooming in the smallest seemingly insignificant, completely unexplainable ways. And then they'll get bigger and you'll get bolder. Not because you need to depend on yourself for provision or survival, but because you'll be getting bolder in your belief that God truly is always going to be there for you. And as you get bolder in your faith in him, you'll take bigger risks You'll be more quickly in obedience with the nudges in your spirit and the favor will come even more quickly in even larger amounts. The provision will start to flood you and the timing will be flawless. You'll have one door slammed in your face. You'll have golden palace doors opened in front of you on the other side. It's, it's crazy. (laughs) It almost sounds unreal. But my challenge to you is that if it sounds unreal, there's still some remains of the provision wound. Because when you get to know God and you get to know who he is and how he behaves, you know that you know that you know that you know that even when he lets you walk through a valley, even when there's a dark night of the soul, you're never left You're never abandoned. You're never not provided for. He's that good. That even when other people are not good to you, even when you're not good to yourself, even when you're not good to him and you don't trust him, he's still trustworthy. And so when you finally awaken to that reality and you step out of this idea that life is so hard and it's everyone's fault or it's God's fault and you recognize that you have a God who has got your back no matter what and you shift instead into Oh my Lord, how could you be so good? I love you so much. Truly, I've had seasons when I have lost everything (laughs) that I thought I wanted, that I felt I needed. And I have come to know God so much more deeply than I even imagined I ever could until truly all I needed was to be able to blow kisses to the sky and say thank you so much. You have never left me. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. For all of these little things that are working out. For all of the ways you're protecting me. And I don't even see the danger. You know. You care. You've got my back. You're providing for me. And I trust and depend on that completely. Sometimes in hard seasons it looks like that. And then you pass into glorious growth seasons where literally the favor is so expedited and explosive and exponential. You just, you don't know what to say. 
but you don't have any guilt, you don't have any blame, and you certainly can't take credit because you have finally learned that the provision the entire time, both in the darkness and in the light, has been God. When you get to that point, not only will you be unshakable, you'll be so full of gratitude and joy that you will be unbelievably attractive. And the pettiness that you may see in other women who are still vying for some sort of superiority in the Bible study group, who are still gossiping about other women behind their backs to cut them down, who are still competing for one of what you would think could only be the five remaining men on the planet, who are whatever they may be doing, you won't care. You'll have compassion. You won't feel the need to compete. You'll feel probably rather sorry for them. But you will be in the most attractive joy that, quite frankly, it just leads you to keep winning and people don't understand why. But you'll know why. You'll know it's because you finally established both feet on the rock of conviction that God has been your provision source the entire time and he can be trusted. When you do that work, when you do that work and you rest in that peace, you can't lose. And all you will see around you is 100-fold for everything you've lost, is favor when you least expect it, is provision and protection exactly when you need it. It's like an army of angels at your beck and call. Because the being the entire time that you actually needed provision from is God. And he's capable and he's willing and he will do it. So you can rest and you can play. You can enjoy your life and open to life and open to other people because you're never dependent on them for provision. Therefore, your energy just gets to be like a child who knows that their parent literally owns everything <laughs> and adores them without measure and without condition. And that wherever they go in the world, whatever situation or snafu they run into, whatever types of people they happen to suddenly find themselves with, wherever they go, with a pure heart and clean hands, they're taken care of by a very good and unbelievably powerful, constantly providing God. Today's episode is brought to you by The Bombshell Manifesto. The Bombshell Manifesto is a two-time number one best-selling book, and it's where I really teach the philosophy of the biblical bombshell. After spending years in ministry and now more years running my life coaching business, I see so many young women and even women well into their lives just floundering and kind of flopping around in some of the essential areas of God-created femininity, such as their relationship with God, their relationship with their bodies, their relationship with men, with sex, with beauty, with their finances. And I just don't think we have time for that. I think that we are called to do such big things for God while we're here. We've got to get these areas under control, locked on, so we can move forward toward our exciting assignments and massive callings in life. So in this book, I really give you the behind the scenes of my personal journey, struggling with what God was calling me to be as a woman. Going back and forth around the over-sexualized ideas of femininity or the completely asexual versions we often see in the church where we're not supposed to talk about that tough stuff. I lead you through the research and the history around the concept of a bombshell, a few personal visions and ideas I have around it, and then the scripture that God puts in front of us as how he wants us to understand the important role we play as women. Do you know that a woman was the way that the Savior came into the world and was the first evangelist of his resurrection and then ascension. This is a big deal, ladies. So hop over to bombshellmanifesto.com. Now you can find this book on Amazon, 
But if you go through bombshellmanifesto.com, I've got a couple extra fun free bonuses and ways that you can actually get free trainings and audios that take this whole concept deeper. We walk through the 12 pillars of a biblical bombshell, addressing tough areas of life like opening to vulnerability and intimacy, understanding beauty and God's calling for it, getting deeper into our confidence and our security, committing to a relationship with God that blows our minds and more. What I see so much from women and hear from them, and quite frankly, I hear it from men who are looking for a woman to marry or they want their wife to come alive in the way they know that she can, is that there's some kind of tapped-in femininity that is out there that is possible but that's incredibly difficult to find. Women long to be it, men long to find it, and this is the calling that we have as women. This is what we're able and even asked to step into, required, I would say, to step into to live out everything God has for us. But I see so many women who are stuck in mediocrity and are told that that kind of complacency is contentment and that's where they should stay and they should just be happy with it and, you know, that's life. I don't think that's what God's asking. I don't think that's what we're here to do. And I don't think we have any more time to waste. So join me over at bombshellmanifesto.com. Let's light this thing on fire. Let's get out into the world and do what we're supposed to do. Do what we can do. Be fully who God has called us to be. The bottom line is this. The entire world is obsessed with women, and they should be. That's the way it's designed. We are the ones who continue life, who continue the human race. We are always going to be attracting people's attention. We are always going to be shaping human beings, shaping culture, and pointing people towards something. The question is, what are we pointing them toward? Have we completely released and activated every area of our God-designed femininity to do those things well? I hope you'll join me. I think there's no more important calling on this earth as a woman than to live out her full God-given design and to use it to point people to Him. So let's get this thing started. Let's set ourselves free. Let's set our families free. And let's light the world ablaze with the truth that is only in the gospel. I'll see you at bombshellmanifesto.com.